Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, we thank you so much for this day that you have made, and we shall rejoice and be also glad in it, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, Father God, I don't have any fancy words to you to say to you today or eloquent prayer, O oh Lord. I, I simply say to please reach out and touch every single listener that is here today. Many are struggling with the things of life. Many are struggling with their faith. Many are struggling to understand you. Many are struggling to simply understand Jesus Christ. So I pray, O oh Lord God, that on this day that your Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O oh Lord God. Let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them and that you care for them and it is not your will that any on this earth should perish and that you are calling to them, O oh Lord God. I pray that they will hear voice of Holy Spirit, O oh Lord God, and, 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 and give in to that call and, and simply come unto you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord God. I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus. So take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. And before we get started, I would just encourage you, I ask you to, to go and get your Bible, um, get a pencil, a piece of paper to write on or something, a marker or something to take some notes because, um, you know, as Holy Spirit reveals things to you and you, you mark up your Bible, just like you did in school when you were studying, you know, you mark up your Bible, these uh, very valuable scriptures will come back to you um, when, when you need them the most, and Holy Spirit will, will make you remember, you know, what you marked up and what you highlighted, okay? So I pray that you, that you do that, okay? And also in leading into this message, too, I just want you uh, to understand that the reason I, I harp so much on Bibles is because uh, I really want you to see for yourself what the Word of God is saying, okay? Don't believe my words, not my opinion. I want you to read what the Word of God is saying for yourself so you can understand um, uh, what's going on and where where the message is coming from. Um, Holy Spirit told me many years ago, 30 plus years ago, uh, when I was ordained and going into ministry, uh, uh, pastoring a church, I should say, um, Lord told me, says, I want you to preach the unwatered down Word of God, uncompromised. Do not compromise at all. You preach exactly what my word is saying. That's what he told me to do. And that's why today um, I talk about Bible so that you can read for yourself. Because I'm not going to water down what the word of God says. The word of God is very is very specific and very explicit in terms of what God expects of us, especially expects of us as his children. Amen. Amen. So, so, so that's why I say these things so you clearly understand. So if you don't have your Bible, go and get it. Okay. And uh, uh, many people today, including some Christians, are playing a very dangerous game as we live our lives out today uh, in these challenging times. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, the dangerous game that many, many are engaged in, don't even realize it, you know. Um, Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount, as you're probably familiar with, and that can be found uh, in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7. And I'm not going to cover the entire sermon, but I will in a, in a bit get to get to some specific points of it. And uh, he gave us this sermon, which is probably the, the most important sermon that Jesus gave, uh, you know, to, to give us some some points in, in life, some things that we should be following. He also wanted to give us some very, very important information in terms of, of God's expectations of us, okay? And if we were to summarize the Sermon on the Mount in a single sentence, okay, it could be something like this, uh, how to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, full of wisdom and discernment, okay? 
So again, I say I want to read from just a portion of it. And so with that, let's go to Matthew 7, verse number 1. Matthew 7, verse number 1. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 7, verse number 1. He starts out by saying, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in your eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Okay, so in kind of everyday terms, you know, you someone asks, oh, gee, I got a speck in my eye. You know, can you take a look? You know, and and we've all had to take specks out of someone's eye, a child's eye or whatever, maybe a loved one or someone close to you. And as you zero in and you've got your fingers open, you know, opening up that eye and you're telling the person to roll their eye around and you're trying to search for that tiny, tiny little speck. What this is saying is that if you've got a beam or if you have something larger in your eye, then how can you even expect to see that little tiny speck that is in someone else's eye? So he's saying, so first take out that beam that is in your eye before you try to see the speck that is in someone else's eye. Okay. So in terms of judgment, how are we to be judging other people? Look at our lives first and consider how our lives are doing. Clean up our own acts first and don't be passing judgment on you on someone else because the same way you are judging someone else, that same kind of judgment will come back on you. The same amount of measure, the measure it's called, okay? So, so we need to clean up our acts, Jesus is saying here in this sermon. You know, before we go blaming and passing judgment on other people, start thinking about how, how clean is my life? How, how am I living my life? Do I have a beam in my eye so that I cannot even see what's happening in my life? And therefore, I certainly cannot expect to be helping someone else, okay? So that's what he starts out with saying right off the bat here, okay? And then it says in verse number six, he's on to say, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again to rend you. Okay. Now, in this part of the sermon, Jesus uses dogs and pigs as representative of those who would ridicule, of those who would reject and blaspheme the gospel once it is presented to them. We are to share the gospel, but when it comes apparent that the gospel is not welcome, we are to move on. Okay, we have to move on. Once we're sharing the gospel, then it's obvious, becomes obvious to us that it's just not welcome. Then God says, okay, time to move on. We are responsible to share the good news. We are not responsible, however, for people's response to the good news. Let me say that again. We are to share the good news, but we are not. God does not hold us responsible for how someone else receives that good news. Pigs don't appreciate pearls, and some people don't appreciate what Christ has done for them. Okay, that's what that scripture is referring to there when it says, do not cast your, um, uh, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again to rend you. Verse number seven says, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Of what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how much 
to how, knowing how to give good gifts unto your children. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Okay? Many times we don't receive because we don't ask God. Okay? We just kind of go through life thinking, oh, gee, I need this, I need that. And we, do we ever stop to really think down, gee, let me go to the Lord and let me pray and let me ask him for this particular thing or for help in this particular area of my life? Okay? It says there that if you ask, it shall be given you. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, and it shall be opened. For everyone that asks, receives. Jesus' words. Everyone that asks, receives. And he that speaks, seeketh, findeth. Them that knocketh, it shall be open. Are you seeking to know God? If you're struggling with something in your life right now, do you realize that God is there and he wants you to reach out to him? Okay? So if you're not seeking and if you're not asking, then you're going to continue, you know, kind of just wallowing in your problem. Okay? Seek God and knock because he will indeed answer. He compares us to, to, to God by saying that you being evil, you know how to give good gifts to, to someone, your children. So the way you love your child enough to give things to your children, just think, we can never love with the amount of love that God has for us. So how much more will God give us things if we ask? That's what the, the point of this message here is saying. Okay, all right. So we have to have to remember that. Verse number 12 says, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even unto the, to them. For this is the law in the, of the prophets. Enter ye at the straight gate. Enter you at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go therein. Okay. All right. So, so, so the gate to destruction, the gate to sin, the gate to doing so, so wrong, you know, so many wrong things is wide open. All right. But narrow is the gate that is the gate. You know, okay. It leads us to God. Okay. In other words, it's very easy for us to commit sin. But we have to defocus our lives and focus our thoughts on making sure that we're following God, that we're following the right path. Because verse 14 says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life and few there be that find it. Okay, And this is what we need to think about today, because there seems to be uh, it appears to be that a great part of, of the society uh, is going in a certain direction, you know, direction that we as Christians, as children of God, don't like, don't care the, the direction that they're going in. Okay, I mean, it appears that way, but really, really it isn't. Okay, I mean, there is still, you know, the vast majority of, of people, I believe, uh, uh, still believe in, in things that are right and not things that are wrong. We don't believe in crime. We don't believe in rampant crime. We don't believe in some of the abuses that we see today. But what this is saying is that it's easy for us to get caught up in that stream and go through that very wide gate. But it, it's, it's, it's more challenging for us because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life. And that's the way that we need to make sure that we're going. Okay, even though it may seem and everything that like it's an impossibility, we need to make sure that that we're following that straight path which leads to the Lord. Verse number 15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. I love that. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of, of uh, thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is cut down and, and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Okay. So before you go following behind someone, before you go uh, 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 swallowing something that they're telling you, and, and you know, before you start holding them up, you know, in your in your own eyes as being such a oh God, such a wonderful person, and gee whiz, observe how their lifestyle is. Observe their lives. 
Okay, observe what they're what they believe in. Not just don't go by what they're talking and what they're saying to you. What is their lifestyle? What have they done with their lives? You shall know them by their fruits. Okay, and you need to make sure that you do that today when we're listening to people, especially you know on TV, on YouTube, or wherever it may be. Just don't go following behind what they're saying. You know, do a little digging and and try to figure out you know what is their life all about? What, What is it that they're really doing? Okay, you shall know them by their fruits. All right. And if you see that around in people that are around you, you'll begin to see what the word of God is talking about. That where one I, a couple of sermons back, I talked about walking the talk, you know, where some people will, will, will talk a good game. But how do they walk that talk? How are they living their lives? Are they living their lives in accordance with the things that they're saying? Okay, Especially if they're talking about godly things and living a godly lifestyle style. by their fruits, you shall indeed know them. OK, um, it says in verse 21. That everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now pay particular attention to these verses, okay? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built upon his house, built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Okay. So Jesus is saying here, whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them will be a wise man. Okay. So the sayings that, that he is saying here, one of the sayings that I want to focus on that he's saying here is starting with verse number 21. Okay, so highlight verse 21, 22, and 23 if you have a highlighter or a marker or something or a pen. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Okay? So apparently what Jesus is saying here, that simply because you call him Lord, Lord, it doesn't guarantee that he is pleased with your life. And you're bowing down and saying, hallelujah, Lord Jesus, I love you, but there's more to it than just that. All right? People think that they can still uh, get around uh, Jesus, what Jesus is saying here. Okay? Jesus, Jesus clearly said, get away from God, I never knew you. But there are people today that still think they can get around that by what they're doing. In today's world, many progressives and religious progressives think that they can get around these verses, these words that Jesus said. Many progressives and Christian progressives. And a Christian progressive is is one um, that nowadays you'll hear many people saying in many churches, even for that matter, you know, brazen effect. Well, you know, we need to change with the times, you know. 
You know, the, the, the Bible is a great book, and yes, we believe every word of the Bible, but we need to change with the times. It's a different time that we're living in right now. There are different different issues of life today that didn't that didn't uh, exist back then, and they start making excuses for doing the things doing things outside of the Word of God, but they're still calling themselves Christian. This is what I call Christian progressives. Okay, of course, the progressives today are those that you know are thinking all of the the things that they do today, the things that we as children of God are are, are so against uh, and, and whatnot. You know, all all of this. Uh, I'll get into it more. But the, the the progressives today think that Christian progressives feel that we have to change, we have to adjust with the times, that we can change what God says because this is the twenty first century. Okay, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. And despite, it's about time that we as human beings, okay, stop trying to bring God down to, le- to, to our level, but we should continue to aspire to reach up to get to God's level. Don't be trying to bring God down to man's level, okay, because it'll never work. <laughs> it'll never work, all right? But this is what progressives basically are saying. God goes on to say more. If we go to 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9, and we see here, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor revelers, nor nor, uh, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you're washed. But you are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Okay? So we see there that God is saying right there in verse number 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. So God is telling them that. God said, Jesus said there, just because you call me Lord, Lord, you know, know, in the the final analysis, I'll say, get away from me because I never knew you. God is saying that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But yet still, there are people that still think that ungodly lifestyles are okay because God is love. Okay, They think, I can live this lifestyle. God loves me. God, after, after all, is love. People are so quick to say or think their lifestyle or behaviors are okay because God is love. They say, oh, they, I can do this. God is love. Let's go to 1 John 4, verse 7. 1 John 4. Verse number seven, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love, underline that please, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. Okay, so there's that verse there, verse number eight. He that loveth not knoweth not of God, for God is love. This is what they have latched on to. This is what they have latched on to. Okay, they say that because of the fact that uh, God is love, that we can go on and live a lifestyle whichever way that we so choose because times have changed. And God will understand because God is love. They say that homosexuality is ordained of God and stand with those who believe gender is a feeling rather than a biological reality because God is love. 
So in other words, if you're a boy and you feel like a girl, then yeah, you're a girl. If you're a girl and you feel like you're a boy, okay, then then you're, you're a boy. And of course, that goes all against biological reality. But they say that's okay because God is love. They say that taking the life of an unborn child is justified because God gave us freedom of choice, because God is love. Yeah, God gave us freedom of choice because he loved us so much. But being that we are free moral agents doesn't mean that we are free to sin and free to break his His laws and to break his, his word, to go against his covenants, to go against his will. God gave us the freedom to choose. But there are many scriptures in there. He says, I lay before you today life and death, blessings and curse. And he says, choose life, choose life. So, yes, he gave us freedom to choose. But doesn't that mean that you have the freedom to go against God's will? But they say it's okay because God is love. They say that, you know, believing in taking the fruit of one man's labor to give to another person who has not labored because God is love. It's okay to take with you, Vern, and to just give to someone else because God is love. But the Bible, however, clearly says in other places there, it says that if you don't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, it says if you don't eat, if you don't work, you don't eat. Okay. But they say that God is love. So it's okay to take what someone else has earned. They believe that any means justifies the end. Okay. Any means, any means justifies the end because why? God is love. Christians have been saying for millennia that God loves sinners and calls his people, um, and calls his people to love and to interact with them because God is love. But this does not mean that God wants us to become like them. God does not want us to become like them. Jesus associated with many sinners, but he didn't agree with their sin or become like them. But they say that we should be associating with them and embrace them and accept their ways. And even for that matter, live their model their way. Why? Because God is love. Progressives in the church today are saying that the embrace of sin itself is the will of God because God is love. Even though they have managed to believe this and sell themselves on it, and even convince many others on it, their peers in the workplace, in school, and so forth, in the neighborhood, in the community, okay, they won't be able to slip this by Jesus. They can fool other human beings who aren't spirit-led enough to realize that what they're saying is a fallacy, is wrong, it is not where God is coming from at all, because God is love, amen? But we see this many so much in the the church and outside of the church today, okay? But they're not going to slip that by Jesus. They're playing a dangerous game. They're playing a dangerous game. They think they can continue in life espousing these things and and talking about these things and trying to convince others they're playing a dangerous game. Matthew 7, 23 that we read before says, depart from me, you that work iniquity. Say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. That last word is very interesting there. It says iniquity, which also means lawlessness because sinning is breaking God's law. Sinning is breaking God's law. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, the scripture says, is interesting. It paints a very dark picture for one who acts intentionally to break God's law. Very dark picture. In other words, this refers to a person who happily and willingly flaunts and promotes acts that are deemed unrighteous by God. Three times in Matthew seven twenty-two. Jesus predicted that these people would insist that what they had been doing, prophesying, casting out demons and and mighty works, had been done in your name. That's what the scripture says. But Jesus said, get away from me. Depart. I never knew you. Workers of lawlessness or workers of iniquity. That's what Jesus said. Okay. 
because they are doing unrighteous acts. Okay. Now, we are all occasional lawbreakers when it comes to faithfully and perfectly obeying the will of God. After all, no one is perfect, so we trip and stumble from time to time. And if we do break the law, we sin, we ought to speedily run to the Lord and repent. Okay. And, and according to 1 John 1, 9, if you repent and faithfully repent and you're honest in your heart and you're serious about it and say that the Lord will forgive, we should do that. And don't go that way again. Don't break, don't make, uh, break that, make that sin again. Don't do that sin again. Okay. So no one, no one is perfect. So, all right. But there's something, must be something more to this, to this warning that we see in those scriptures. Depart from me. Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I do not know you. Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. Okay. And what it is is that it concerns those particular words, workers of iniquity. The warning to depart from me can only mean one final and eternal thing. Concerning breaking the law. Dwell on that for just a moment. Someone who goes, as an example, someone who goes 40 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone is in fact breaking the law. So therefore he's a lawbreaker. Okay, you go 40 miles per hour in a 30 mile zone, you're a lawbreaker, so you're breaking the law. But when caught, they wind up taking the ticket and try not to speed again. Promise the cop, I'm sorry, I won't, I won't do this again. And hopefully they won't, won't speed again. Okay, it does not mean that that person is lawless. Okay, they are breaking the law at that particular time. A lawbreaker fails to meet the standards or beliefs that he or she acknowledges and agrees to live by. Okay. All right. Okay. They may say to themselves even, I know that there's a speed zone law and I accept the fact that there is a speed zone law, but I'm going to drive faster anyway. Okay. They're not saying there isn't a speed zone law. They, they see 55, 60, whatever it is that's posted up there. And they say, Oh yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to speed anyway for whatever those reasons might be. They're not saying that they don't think that there should, that there should be um, uh, any speed zone laws. Okay, they're not saying that they don't think that there shouldn't be speed zone laws. All right, in other words, I mean, you're breaking that speed limit. You're not saying, oh boy, oh boy, there shouldn't be any speed zone laws. You know, you say, oh boy, well, I'm breaking the law, and you realize at that particular time. However, a worker of lawlessness, a worker of lawlessness, puts his or her own standards or beliefs over and above another standard or belief. They may say to themselves, I don't agree that there should be any speed zone laws. Okay. So it's not that they, they realize that there is a law and that they're breaking it. They're saying that I don't believe that there should be any speed zone laws. My way of driving, they say, and determining the right speed is the best way to drive. There shouldn't be speed zone laws. My way of determining how fast to go and so forth is, is based on my, my determination of the road I'm driving on, how I feel at that particular time. There shouldn't be any laws governing the way that I drive. The lawbreaker, going back to the lawbreaker, he offends the righteousness of the law, so to speak, while the worker of lawlessness replaces the law, okay, replaces the righteous law with their own uh, so-called righteousness. And there's quite a difference. Okay, Understand what I'm saying there clearly? All right. You break the law when you're speeding. You accept the fact that there is a lawbreaker, accept the fact that there is a speed zone law. But for whatever reason, I'm going to break the law. I'm late for work. I got to go to the bathroom or whatever it is. They're breaking the law. They're not saying there's too many speed zone laws. Okay. The lawless person, the person who's acting in lawlessness says there shouldn't be any speed zone laws. Those laws are ridiculous. My way of driving when I choose, do what I speed fast, when I choose to go fast, whenever, that is the best way to go. Okay. 
That is the way of life as it should be. I do not acknowledge the fact that there are speed zone laws. So there's quite a difference. There's quite a difference. All right. So from a biblical perspective, the worker of lawlessness says my way of life is better than God's way of life. So I'm going to live life as I see it. These are the people that Jesus is talking to. Okay? You workers of iniquity, you workers of lawlessness. My way of life and what I believe in life is better than what God is saying. So therefore, I should not have to abide by what God is saying. These are the, the, the workers of iniquity that Jesus is referring to. It. So if a person thinks that their way of life is better than God's way of life, they have no concept or understanding of ungodliness or unrighteousness. Okay. All right. If you're talking to someone who really believes that, you know, oh, gee, you know, what I'm thinking and believing is far better than what God is saying. What God is saying in, in, that, in that Bible of yours that is irrelevant, is irrelevant. If they're saying that, okay, my way of life and what I'm thinking about life and how it should be, how it should be uh, carried out. This is what Jesus is referring to, workers of, of iniquity or workers of lawlessness. So we have to be very, very careful indeed in terms of how we're going about following people, listening to what they're saying. You don't want Jesus saying to you at the time when the time has come and standing before him, depart from me, for I didn't know you. You say, but Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do this in church? Didn't I do that in church? Didn't I say this? Didn't I say Yet still your life has been a life of lawlessness because you've been living an ungodly life, an unrighteous life. Don't expect him to willingly just accept you into his arms. Jesus may be saying to you, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, so these people that are that are living that lifestyle, they're living that my way of life and what I believe is far superior to what God is trying to tell us to do. Okay, all right, all right. That that's that his way of life. What he wants to do is totally irrelevant. Unrighteousness and ungodliness. They don't have a concept of what that is. Let's go to Romans uh, chapter one, verse sixteen. Romans chapter one. Verse 16. For I am, not, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Listen to this now, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because they which may be known of God, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. Hear that. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Okay? So saying it, it starts out with people that knew God didn't glorify him. And they weren't even thankful because they became vain in their imagination. In other words, they thought that they became more knowing than God. They thought they became more knowledgeable than God even. Okay. And while they knew who God was, they didn't even glorify him. Okay. And this is what we have to be so careful about even in our, in our churches today. 
We profess to know God, but are we glorifying him? Or are we letting our own thoughts, imagination is meaning our thoughts, are we letting our own vain thoughts exalt ourselves so that our hearts become foolish? And as a, as a result of our heart becoming foolish, it also becomes darkened because we get caught up in thinking that what we know about life is superior to what God is telling us about life. God says to jump and man says in my intelligence and in my intellectual understanding of life, why should I jump? I don't need to jump. I have a better solution. I'm simply going to walk. Right? This is their own vain reasoning and thoughts, thinking that they know better than God. Okay. It goes on to say here in 22 that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Okay. And that's where so many people, they fall into that trap because they get so puffed up in themselves that they start thinking that they are so wise, that they're even wiser than God and they know it's best for life, best for life. And, and when you start doing that, you are indeed becoming foolish. You're foolish when you start thinking that you know better than God. OK, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, creeping things, okay? okay? So they change the glory of the uncorruptible. God is uncorruptible. God, God is infinite. He's eternal. I mean, he's all that there is. But yes, though, man started making uh, idols, in other words. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, an idol made like corruptible things, things that die, things that that corrode, things that break down, things that don't don't exist uh, forever and ever and ever. Corruptible man and to birds and four footed beasts and creeping things. And you can find an idol. You can find a quote unquote God with a small G by some culture that's that's made out of everything and anything. OK, there were some that worship trees, worship the sun, the moon, uh, all sorts of little stone carved images. I mean, throughout the history of mankind, man has always had made some sort of little image or whatever that they wound up buying down, bowing down to and calling God with a little G. OK, ignoring the true God with a capital G, the one and only eternal God. OK, wherefore God, verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. What does it say? God gave them up to uncleanness. In other words, God said, this is what you want to do. You don't want to worship me. I'm going to step back. God gave them up to uncleanness through their lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God. OK, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Right. So he's saying there, who changed the truth of God. God is who he says he is. He is the creator of all that exists. He is the, the creator of all that we can see and all that we cannot see even. God is the creator of it, but changed that truth into a lie. And they wound up worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. Okay. This is what we're doing today. There are many out there that are worshiping this planet more than God. This planet is the creation or the creature more than the creator. We put this planet in many circles above God. And I say to you, and many of you who have listened here a while at Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, you've heard me say this before, that, uh, um, hey, 
I'm not taking sides, the pros and cons of climate change. All I am saying to you is that this planet Earth is not going anywhere unless God decides it to to go somewhere. God is in charge of this planet and we should not be worshiping this planet and out there breathing and doing the crazy things that we see going on in the so-called uh, in, in, in the name of saving the planet. And, and oh, we must save Mother Earth and all of this. They're putting that above the creator. This is all that I'm saying to you. OK. Alrighty? And we cannot let ourselves go down that path. God is the one that created this planet. He's in charge of this planet and he will do with it what he pleases. So therefore, we as Christians should not be getting all worried and afraid when we start hearing some of these climate change cultists out there saying that the earth is going to going to blow up or do whatever they're saying is going to happen in 12 years and six. Now, so what I think is saying six years, you know, and, and it's not going to happen that way at all. And all I'm saying to you, saints of God, is that we as Christians should not let ourselves get bent out of shape and not let ourselves get so worried and afraid when these climate change cultists are out there talking that. That's all I'm saying to you. Okay? The climate has always changed as far as I'm concerned. And for what you read, read about history, you read other documents. And I know there are those that would refute that too. But all I'm saying to you is that who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the crea- the creature more than the creator. We don't we don't serve or worship the creature. Okay, this earth, birds, animals, okay, none of we worship God. Okay, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Because of this, God gave them up. He kind of just washed their hands and said, okay, that's the way they want to go. So he gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in doing them. Okay. All right. This is doing unrighteous works. This is doing unrighteous works. And God said that they shall not, not inherit the kingdom of God. As simple as that. All right. That they shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Verse number 18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And before we read that, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. As simple as that. So we see a list here of various things that are going on today. But the thing that I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is that there are many people today that say many of those things that God talks against is okay. It's understandable. It's okay there when it says, uh, um, uh, where's that? Uh, uh, and likewise, oh, verse 26, for this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that, um, unto that which is against nature. And likewise, also men leaving the natural use of women, burning their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. 
Now we know what that is talking about. It's talking about homosexuality. I'm just being bold and honest about it. God says that is wrong. And those that are engaged in such will not see the kingdom of heaven because it's unrighteous acts. Okay. Okay. It's unrighteous acts. All right. Now I know people, you're probably, some of you out there are probably going to go bonkers and go haywire, but I have to give you the uncompromised, unwatered down word of God. This is what this is talking about. Okay. And, and, and I'm telling you, and there are many of the, the progressives and, and those in the progressive church that are accepting this and saying that, that these kinds of scriptures, well, we need to think about that a little bit because times have changed. God has not changed. These words have not changed. Believe me, God still cares about this subject matter the same way he said back here when he had these words written. Amen. 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 So that's what I'm saying. It goes on to continue here in, in uh, verse number two, uh, uh, chapter two. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemn th- thyself. For thou that judgest does the same things. But we are sure. Uh, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to is according to truth against them which commit such things. Okay, the truth towards them who commit such things. And thinkest thou this, thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? You think you'll escape the judgment of God? If you do, you're playing a very dangerous game. You're playing a very dangerous game. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, for um, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, will render to every man according to his deeds. There's no escaping it. Don't play that dangerous game and think that somehow you'll get around it. You'll get around it. Okay. Who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth and obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. In other words, God doesn't care who you are. God doesn't care whether you're short, tall, fat, skinny, rich, or poor. And don't think that if you do happen to be on the affluent side of this in this particular life, that you are somehow going to escape the punishment, escape things because of the fact that you believe that, well, God is love and that we have to change things due to the times that we're in today. It's the 21st century. You know, the Bible is kind of outdated. You know, don't think that you're going to escape God's wrath. God is not a respecter of persons. Okay. So that means that it doesn't matter what you think or who you are. So don't be playing this very dangerous game. So when today's progressives and religious progressives push gender fluidity, Self-identification of something that is not biological reality. Again, a girl feels like a boy and therefore she thinks that she is a boy and says that she is a boy and can become a boy and vice versa. And there's no switching back and forth. If you're a girl, you're a girl. If you're a boy, you're a boy. Okay. And those, um, uh, and those that uh, promote same sex marriage, they are pushing for normalizing that which God identifies as sin. This is what we see happening today before us. They're trying to push it into our children, into the classroom, in any place else that they can get a chance. Okay, they're trying to make it normal so that people start saying, oh, well, this is normal. I see it so much. It's in the, on the commercial. It's in the news it's all over the place. It's normal. No, 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 not according to God. Not, a, not according to God. Right? 
So don't be playing. Let yourself play in that dangerous game. They are saying that if you don't think that what they believe is true, or if you refute and push back against what they believe and saying are true, then they say that you're a phobe and then you're going to be canceled. Okay. If you start standing up for what the word of God says and you're considered a phobe and then they go, oh, we need to cancel. You need to make sure you, you lose your job and you don't, you're not allowed to breathe air and so on like that. Okay. But God is the one that we have to make sure that we are pleasing. These progressives also, you know, you know, they're also considering the revealed will of God concerning human sexuality to be of little importance or value. That's why we see so much focus on it today. Okay, human human sexuality is is not not important as far as as what God says about it. They have their own view of what homosexuality is, okay, and what human sexuality is. They have their own views about it, but the Bible is pretty clear. We go to Genesis one twenty seven. Oops, Genesis 1, and we want to do 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Just underline that. He created God in his own image. God created man, sorry, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That's it. Period. Drop the mic as they say. God created male and female. That's it. God created, God did not create a pantheon or a whole assortment of various sexes. I heard a, uh, a news interview one time in the, the, the newscaster there was interviewing someone who was saying that there are only two sexes. And this newscaster went on to say, say, Oh, that's not right at all. You know, science, he says, science has proven that there's a whole, and he used the word spectrum. There are a whole spectrum of sexes. He says, science says. Now, of course, we know that is so bogus, it isn't funny. God says he created man and woman, male and female. He created them, he, them. Simple as that. There's not a whole spectrum of, of, of sexes. All right? All, right, all right. But they would have you to believe that, or, um, you know, that somewhere, you know, you know, you have to go by their science. Now, all during the, the COVID thing, they were saying, believe the science, believe the science, believe the science. And now when we Christians talk about believe the science, it's a, a fact, a scientific fact. Okay, according to what God did, how God created male and female, Male and female is, 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 is determined, okay, in, in the human being, biologically, of course, by the genes, by the chromosomes, XX and XY. Simple as that. You can take a person that says, I'm a girl and I feel like a boy, therefore I am a boy. You can take that person and you can just take, take one cell uh, from that person and, micros- and microscopically examine and get down to the genetic level there. And you'll see that that will reveal whether they're male or female. Simple as that. Simple as that. I don't care what they claim they feel like or what they think that they are or whatever. It's, it's not true. But they say believe the science, but they won't believe what God has actually said. Okay. They also see that if we go to Genesis 2.23. 2.23 says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He shall, uh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and they shall be one flesh. This is talking about marriage and marriage between one man and one woman only. Not talking between marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. It's talking about man between a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave into his wife and they shall become flesh. This is where the institution of marriage was made. Okay. 
Simple as that, right? But they want to tell us otherwise, of course. We see that if we go to Matthew 19, verse number 4. Matthew 19, verse number 4. We see here, and it says, and it says, uh, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Now, this is Jesus speaking, have made them male and female, and said, For this cause a man shall leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, no, for, no more two, in other words, but one flesh. Whatsoever God is joined together, no man put asunder. Okay. So now in Jesus' mouth, these words, he was repeating what was written there in Genesis. Okay. That just blew their minds back in his day. That, that made them crazy. All right. So we see what the point I'm making here is that God and Jesus confirmed that there's male and female, that a man should marry a woman, a wife. Okay. It's simple, as simple as that. Jesus confirmed it. So we in the church, we, you know, progressive people in the church, they need to really, really get off this thing where they are supporting same-sex marriage because it is definitely contrary to the word of God. Right? Again, I know many of you are probably going to get upset and maybe you're going to stop watching the Genesis 1. I don't know, but I pray that the Lord will guide you to open your eyes and your heart that you can see and hear and understand what the truth is. But I'm simply giving you the word of God. And I don't care what is politically correct or politically incorrect because I don't go by politics of the world. I go by what the word of God says. It's as simple as that. As simple as that. We go to Isaiah 50 here and we see that um, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5. And we want to start with verse number 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their sight. Okay, again, we see that thing about being wise in their own eyes because they think that they know all that they should know. They think that they really understand what life is all about. But it starts there by saying in verse 20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And we see so much of that going on today. Okay, things that are good are now considered the wrong way of life. Oh, boy, boy, you're evil if you say this or say that. If you say anything against what the status quo is and go against the status quo today and what people are believing and what is, quote unquote, popular to believe today, then then, boy, you, you're, you're evil. All right. OK. And everything that you stand for as a Christian, that, that, that that's bad. That's not a good thing at all. It's not a good thing at all. Darkness for light, light for darkness. This is what we see going on today. You know, many of us look around and we're horrified at what is going on in the streets of our cities all across the world. All of this crime that's going on especially where there are progressives that are in charge because they're saying that's a better way of life, not to arrest the perpetrator. The jails are so full. You want to keep the jails emptied and tell the people to stop committing crimes. Let them come to the Lord and know what the Lord is all about. Let them come to Jesus and know what Jesus is all about and they'll stop committing crimes. And then maybe the prison role will go down. The amount of people in prison will go down. But it simply is not by not, not arresting them. That is not going to make the, uh, the, the uh, prison population go down. Okay. You, you break a crime, you, you break the law, the word of God says that you should be punished. Okay. And that goes for laws in the streets as well as spiritual laws. Okay. You break the laws, then you'll be punished eventually. You can't go saying that God's laws and God's ways of unrighteousness and what he calls unrighteousness is wrong. That doesn't go along with the times. You go, you, you, you say that if you want, but you're playing a dangerous game. 
Religious progressives are playing with fire that will, a fire that will burn them more deeply than just in their flesh. This kind of thinking will be the progressives' eternal undoing. There are two visions of God recorded in the Bible that have angelic beings crying out, crying out in his divine presence about a particular attribute of God. On we go to Isaiah 6.1. Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died and saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and twain covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay. So we see from these scriptures here, this particular scripture, that the key attribute of God is his holiness. The angelic beings cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God is many things and has many attributes. He's patient, he's merciful, omnipotent, omnipresent, and so forth. But here it's talking about holy, holy. So in the final analysis, what really matters is When you and I stand before him, the question is, did we lead a life that indicated that we absolutely believed that God is holy? Do you actually believe that God is holy and that he is indeed who he says he is? In those scriptures there, we we see that his holiness was manifested in unprecedented sights and sounds and shakings. The great prophet screamed in Isaiah 6, 5, uh, woe is me. While the 24 elders in John's vision in the book of Revelation fall on their faces to worship him. A loving God embraces us despite of our sins, but a holy God can never accept us in our sins. Let me say that again. A loving God embraces us in our sins, but a holy God can never accept us in our sins. God's love can never be blinded by his holiness. Okay, God's love can never be 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 blind over his holiness. Above all things, God is holy. So it's because of his holiness. If you are in sin, he cannot embrace that. He cannot accept that. So that's why people that are in sin, who are engaging in unrighteousness, who are engaging in iniquity and lawlessness, they're playing a dangerous game if they think that they're going to get by Jesus because they simply will not. They simply will not. Without Jesus, we would be unable to stand before God. God's love gave us his son, gave up his son to die in our place so that we could stand before him wrapped in the holiness of the blood of the lamb. It is absolutely wrong to say that God's creation of only two genders and marriage between one man and one woman is somehow narrow minded and bigotry. It is wrong. It's one thing to question a person's motives and integrity, but we are playing a dangerous game if you think that your views on human gender and sexuality are more relevant than God's. So knowing that way, that many are playing a dangerous game and playing with fire, then how do we keep ourselves safe from falling into this trap? And the last scripture is, let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
So the bottom line is that we as Christians, we as God's children, we cannot be conformed to this world. And if you are a thinker with trying to go along with the current thinking of man here, uh, that, that the Bible needs to change, need to adjust and whatnot, do not conform to that because that is worldly thinking. That is not of God. So I beg of you, do not conform to this world. Renew your mind. Ask Holy Spirit to just change your thinking, to renew you, to renew you from the head of your, your the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Change your thinking. Just don't be willing to go along just to get along or to go along because of the fact you are afraid that if you if you are um, object or if you push back, that you're going to be called called a, a phobe, you know, or an idiot or this or that or that. They're going to cancel me. If you did get canceled, don't worry. God will certainly restore you. OK, you don't have to worry about being canceled at your expense of your of your heavenly eternity. All right. Don't worry about that. You cannot go along with the current program. OK, remember that. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't get caught up in playing that dangerous game, because all that should matter to you is your eternity. And eternity is a long time. It's a long time. Is it something you're going to wake up in a week or the next morning? Oh, gee, gee, that was a bad dream. No, no, there won't be any waking up. So we need to make sure that, that, that you're on that straight and that narrow path, which leads you to righteousness. Amen. Amen. I pray this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, please pass on the link to how these, um, this website can be found. It's www.genesis1.sermon.net. That's www.genesis1.sermon.net. If you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are made available. We're also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries, and we have our apps free of charge for Apple and Google devices. And those apps can be found at the respective um, play stores for those devices. All free of charge. Everything on this website is free of charge. You can download the video or you can download the audio only portion. It's up to you. Download it and save it for later on and pass it around and share it as the Holy Spirit so guides. Okay. Praise God. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord, and we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and week ahead of us, O Lord, until next time, that we shall remember these words, O Lord God, and that we shall garner up enough strength, O Lord God, to push back against the, the things of unrighteousness that are going on today. Let your precious Holy Spirit, O Lord God, always guide us, O Lord God, so that if we are bordering on playing that dangerous game, we will quickly wake up, O Lord God, and turn to you and return to you and know that Jesus Christ is indeed our Lord, O oh Lord. Let us always be bold in you, strong in you, and have faith in you, Lord, knowing that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we praise you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that you go forth in peace and know always that Jesus is Lord.